Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date, informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome everyone back to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. My name's Jackie Lewis. I'm the clinical nutritionist for BN Multi. And today with me, I have Izzy Lascelles. Hi, Izzy. How are you going? Good. How are you going? Thank you. Very well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Um, We're just going to explore your story because we're talking about the journey of weight loss surgery basically in our regular podcast. But I think there can be quite a stigma around, you know, why people get to the point where they need to have have weight loss surgery and we're kind of just exploring the different reasons that people end up in the predicament where they do need surgical weight loss intervention and yours is a slightly different story it'll be great to explore that so you're 21 years old Yes. And you had your surgery five weeks ago? Yep. Did you have a sleeve or a bypass? I had a gastric sleeve. Okay. Yeah. That's great. And you were with Dr. McLeod on the Sunshine Coast? Yes. Excellent. And can you tell me a little bit about the lead up? I know there's been, you're 21 now. I know there's been a backstory to where you are today. And I wonder if you're happy to share some of that with us to give us an indication of what's been on the path to weight loss surgery for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the weight loss surgery all really started for me. Um, I'd put on a significant amount of weight when, yeah, so I had a lot of chemotherapy and a lot of cancer treatment and I was diagnosed with stage four blood cancer. And that was really the lead into the weight loss surgery because my weight gain wasn't purely food induced. It was, Mm. um, it was medication and steroids and chemotherapy and all the things that they give you during that period of time. So yeah, once I'd kind of had that initial lot of treatment done, I was just really unhappy at that weight. And I'd put on a good 65, I think it was about 65 kilos in 11 months. With wow. And tell us a little bit about your story. You were not in Australia when you were diagnosed with blood cancer. Yeah. So, I'd, um, yeah so when I was 18 and finished school, I decided to go on a gap year overseas to the UK and Europe. And I got over there and that was fine. I was sick before I left, but I it wasn't we didn't have a diagnosis or anything like that so speaking to doctors they said to me look you should be okay why don't you just go on your holiday and so I did and I got over there and I was there for four months out of the planned two years (laughs) (laughs) and yeah at the end of that four months I was just so unwell and I ended up at the hospital and we did a couple of different scans and a couple of different blood tests and all sorts of things and um, I got diagnosed with blood cancer there. Right that would have been something to manage when you're in another country did you have any support with you I had I had my aunt and my three cousins who were wonderful but it was a lot to cope with for extended family you know if you don't even though you're, you're they're your family you don't know them as well as you do the people you live with every day yeah correct so they were wonderful and and very helpful and all the rest but it's um yeah, it it was definitely a big a big decision on my part to figure out what to do because mm. at the time the discussion was, you know, we have to get you into chemotherapy and we have to get you into treatment because at this point we don't know how long you've actually got until something awful will happen. And the other thing about it was 
for me, because it was blood cancer, uh, the chances of me having problems flying were really high. Yeah. So yeah, there was a <laughs> there were a couple of discussions and a couple of decisions that had to be made at that point. Right. And well, did you have treatment in the UK, or what did you do? No. So we, I went to see a hematologist there, and he said to me, "Look, we want to put you into hospital today. We'll start chemo tomorrow. You can go home in three months." And at that point, I was eighteen, and wow. what I like to say is, you know, twelve foot tall and bulletproof <laughs> um <laughs> and basically just went let me go home and have a think about it he went i i'm not sure you fully understand i said look i just need to go home and have a think and he went okay and so i went home and ended up calling flight center and singapore airlines and booking a flight that night to go home it was a yeah it was one of those things where I did understand I, I did understand what he was saying and I and I did weigh up the risks but there was no way that I could do chemotherapy in the UK without yeah. mum or without you know and the other thing was I couldn't afford it that was the big thing yeah so <laughs> yeah, I booked a flight and went to a pharmacy and got some aspirin and basically just took four aspirin every hour to try to thin my blood, which is so against any recommendation that any healthcare professional will give you. But it did, I will say, it was the one thing that doctors say did keep me kicking for that time that I was on that flight. That's, I can't imagine being on a flight with that knowledge on board and you're on your own and you're 18. It was just got nothing to do but think about it. How was it, that for you? I will say it was very nerve-wracking. I did um I didn't sleep because I I felt I which was a bit irrational, but I did feel like as soon as I went to sleep there was a chance I wouldn't wake up. So I just did laps of the plane for mm. 20 what 3 hours basically. But it was one of those things where you know, so many people actually say to me, your mindset at that point was a little bit reckless. And it was, to be honest, but it wasn't in my eyes. It wasn't, it was, it was a life or death situation. And I chose to, to do that, to try mm. to get home because I had to be at home. Yeah. So, I mean, with all of that information and, and that, that they'd given me, it was, it was a very nerve-wracking, you know, for everybody. Yeah, I can imagine. 30 hours. And imagine your parents at home waiting for you to arrive at the airport. It would have been harrowing for all concerned, I can imagine. Yeah, it was um, with mum and that. Like, mum came to pick me up at seven in the morning. And um, I, I mean, I got off that plane. I was one of the first people off the plane and out into the airport. And I finally got out and she finally picked me up. And I was in hospital at three o'clock that afternoon. Wow. Um, and my doctors had said to me, and even like, I'm still quite good friends with most of the emergency doctors <laughs> down there because I've seen them quite a few times. But they did say to me that had I have left it any longer, um, it would have been very difficult to manage. And so you came home straight into treatment. And how long was your treatment? Uh, so the first lot of treatment, I had was 12 months. I had the best part of nine months worth of chemotherapy and then mm. I had a little bit of a break and had a little bit more chemo and then had some radiation towards the end. Right. And what's your situation now? How, what's your, have you, are you re in review, in remission? Are they checking on things regularly? Yeah. So when um, I had, usually they say when you get, when you go into remission, which I did the end of, or the start of 2019. Mm. And I, they usually say, if you can make 
that two year mark, then, you know, you're good. You'll be, you should be okay. And I didn't quite make that. I made 18 months. And in July of that year, we relapsed and we had another lot of treatment after that, which was another really 12 months. And so, yeah, I had a stem cell transplant. We did all of the treatment again. And this month will actually be, what will that be? Eight months since my stem cell transplant. So now I should be okay. Mm, That's an incredible story. And it's a lot to take on at any age, really. But when you're that young, it's like so out of the blue and totally unexpected. Yeah, well, it was, yeah. What sort of lessons or what do you feel that you came away with from such an adverse or surprising health I think, event? Yeah, it's it's funny to kind of look back on it now because we've had, you know, this will be the fourth year of dealing with, you know, all of that now. Um, and I'm probably more adjusted to it now than I was the first time, like, you know, right back at the beginning. But um, I think mentally there's you know, there's a lot to deal with there and emotionally and all that sort of stuff. And physically you deal with a lot as well. But I think it's one of those things where it it really does test your kind of resilience in that way and your ability to kind of pick yourself up and just go, we just have to do it. Mm. Because even at school, I mean, I was, I was, I didn't really have a lot to deal with at school like that. I didn't have any real challenges like that. So it was, it was definitely a test, but I think, I mean, I never entertained the idea of something awful happening. It was always just, and we dealt with a lot of different complications and any possible thing that went wrong could have gone wrong. We always dealt with it in, in good spirits. And mm. I mean, my coping mechanism was always to go to humor. I mean, I always, I'd always make a joke out of it. Because, and as silly as it sounds, if you make a joke out of something, it instantly takes the the weight off, you know, that situation that you're dealing with. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And it always feels a bit weird when, you know, if someone's just passed away or, you know what I mean? I always find that time, you know, even when my father passed away and I can look back at the funny things that we, you know, did or said or what we, you know, the laugh we had when we were preparing, um, you know, and it's a really sad and um, difficult time, but I think yep. humour definitely, um, yeah, it's certainly a cure for a few things. I so think, yeah. yeah and and now, day to day, how are you feeling? Yeah, good. I, um, I mean, it's just recovery now, really. It's mm. just trying to get yourself back to a normal, average function yeah which is good it's you don't quite realize no one tells you when you go through all of this how difficult it will be coming out the other end of it and how things you know like when I came home for example things like you know going to the shops and doing a a week's worth of groceries that was really really difficult for me at the time Mm. because I didn't have the kind of stamina if you will to walk around a shop like that for a whole like for you know 45 minutes or whatever it was so It's now all of a sudden, you know, like mum and I are able to go to Coles together and we're able to go and, you know, do your shopping and then go to your fruit and veg market and all that sort of stuff, which looking back, even though it's such a small thing, it's a really big milestone almost. Yeah, correct. And for someone your age, you would never expect that walking around the supermarket would be an event for you. Exactly. Um, And you don't, you just don't expect that anything like that would be difficult. So Mm. no, it's just taking little wins and, you know, just taking each day as it comes and just slowly getting back into things and being sensible is what I've learned now. (laughs) 
Yes. Don't and, overdo it. <laughs> and with your weight changing in such a rapid period of time, yeah. what did you notice about that? Did people treat you any differently? Was What was your understanding of the new way you were being perceived? Was yeah. there anything that you found quite alarming? I know with my close friends and family, all of them understood, understood it and understood why I'd put on all the weight and there was certainly no judgment from them. There was probably more pity, if anything else. Mm. But the thing I did notice was with other medical professionals that I'd meet who I might not see on a daily basis or who, or who didn't know me or my story, you know, you'd get the comments all the time about the whole, well, have you considered trying to lose some weight or have you, you know, or if there was any concern anywhere. I remember going for a heart scan um, which I had to do every couple of months because of the type of chemotherapy I had. And this young fit, like he looked like some sort of, I don't know, triathlete. He was so <laughs> fit. And I'm lying there and I'm, I've never been that big in my life. I felt so uncomfortable. And he said to me, um, have you considered that, you know, with the weight that you're carrying, that you're putting an extra load on your heart? And I actually started to laugh because it was like my worst nightmare had almost come true. But it was so funny because he obviously hadn't ever dealt with weight in that way. Yeah. And he meant it in such a, in such a good well-meaning way but the way he approached it was so not the way to do it <laughs> it was yeah it's more that stigma especially in the medical realm that you get where it's like well you know being overweight there's nothing worse than being overweight you know and it's like it did make me laugh because a lot of the time you'd have to kind of say to them well I know being fat's bad but also you know yeah. having cancer is kind of the top thing on my list at the moment so just give me a minute to sort that <laughs> out and then I'll, I'll do something about my weight that would have raised an eyebrow I imagine yeah. <laughs> I'd be like whoops sorry oh, I shouldn't have said anything should have read the notes <laughs> should have read the notes exactly. and so you know you've had a lot to manage then you decide you want to lose some weight Mm. And diet and exercise when your body is in such, you know, it's been ravaged really, hasn't it? Yeah. Did you, what made you decide on gastric sleeve surgery? I think one of the big factors for me was time as well. I obviously had a significant amount of weight to lose. I mean, at my heaviest, I was 167 kilos. Right. And that was the most uncomfortable I'd ever been ever. And I think at the time, looking at how much weight I had to lose and knowing that, you know, even though I was out, walking and trying to eat well and do all of those things wasn't you know wasn't doing it really as easily as it as it should have yeah I decided at the time because I didn't know how much time I had um, I didn't know whether I was going to be sick in another two years. I didn't know whether it was yeah I didn't know how life was going to go and I had a lot of things that I needed to weigh up at the time I just went if it's safe and if people if you know my doctors are happy I think that's what I need to do and going and speaking to Garth was probably the best decision I think I'd ever made because he was very honest and he listened to me and he understood what I was getting at and he said to me I really want to make this happen for you but I want it to be safe right and that was really helpful because all of a sudden it was like someone else was entertaining the idea of it as well it wasn't mm, just me that's right you've had so much responsibility that to have someone 
you know, reach mm. out and take care of you would have been also something pretty special. Yeah. yeah. To be your age and to be making these kind of decisions, it's a whole nother level to this whole surgical weight loss yeah. experience. What sort of research did you put into your decision? Well, <laughs> I'm one of those people who likes to research everything. I like to know all the ins and outs and all the different bits and pieces, which I think has also come from all the cancer treatment because you make big decisions there and you need to be informed. So I did a lot of research. I spoke to a few people who had had this different surgeries done. So I spoke to a couple of people who had a bypass and a couple of people who had the sleeve done. And yeah, I looked up a lot of information. And the other thing was, I think Garth was almost over it by the time we'd had our surgery because I was texting him questions all the time because he <laughs> said to me, he was like, you can always ask, like whatever you need. And I was like, okay. Okay. And by the end of it, he's gone, no more questions. I can't cope with any more questions. <laughs> so, but no, it was good to sit down and talk to him because he was, you know, the font of wisdom in that department. Yeah, of so course. He was great with just being able to go, okay, well, like, what do you need to know? I went, okay, these are my questions. I need you to explain all of this to me so I can make a good decision. So it's, um, I like the way you're responsible and you are taking it on as your own. Mm. The other thing I really like is the way you say we all the time. And it sounds like you're referring to your team and that would be yes. your family. Is that right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I, it's just feels I can just feel in what you're saying that I know why you needed to come home and I mm. can feel just from the way you say we it's a small word but it sounds like you've got quite a support behind you I do and I'm very lucky to have them because there are a lot of people who don't and were they supportive also of your weight loss surgery for the most part yes um there were a couple of people who took more convincing than others because you know obviously I'd had a huge amount of treatment and different yeah. surgeries and different things happen and most of the surgeries that I've had in the past that have been cancer related uh, haven't ended very well. So there was a lot of nervous, <laughs> nervous oh, energy around it. But once we kind of got on board and once you know, their questions were answered as well. Everyone was really supportive. They they knew why I wanted to do it. And I think the other thing about it was, even though they are a huge part of the decision-making process for me, um, I did make this decision on my own and it was, well, this is what I'm doing. So what do I need to do to make you comfortable with it? Mm. Not, not going to change. It is it is my decision, but, I'm, you know, how can I help you get on board? Was that an easy task? For some people it was, I mean, mum was very, very supportive mum knew straight away why I wanted to and, yeah. and she put all of her faith in in doctors and their decision as well but there were other people like especially friends and cousins and that who looked at it and went you know is this too risky is this being silly the other thing was you know I got a lot of or not a lot but I did get some of the responses of going well you know like you could try to lose the weight on your own yeah. it is a bit of a cop-out and I went it's <laughs> it might be in your yeah. Day. I think yeah. Some, yeah just walk a day in my shoes and, yeah exactly you, know, you never and like you say you never really know what's around the corner so why yeah. would you not try to leverage what you know and make the most of your health picture well that's I think as well. one of the biggest things that I've learned and that's my biggest motivation is that my life changed so drastically so quickly mm. um, within the space of 45 minutes if you yeah. put it that way from the time I had the scan down to the time I got a diagnosis and 
I have learned to really value the time that I have, not in, a, not in a really morbid way or anything like that, but just value the fact that I, you know, my time is precious and yeah. I need to do something with the good time that I have so that I don't feel like I've wasted it. Absolutely. And I dare say you will do every, do your damnedest to make that happen by the sound yes. of it. You're a very strong character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so from that point of view, what sort of mindset did you have going? into surgery were you positive or you know were you scared what were you thinking I mean I was I mean going into it out the day when I was lying there on that table I did feel like maybe I've made a, a mistake as you do you'd sit there and it's you know a little bit of almost like buyer's remorse because you're lying there going oh no have I made a really awful decision here and it's um, freezing exactly you're freezing cold <laughs> it's that you, moment where you're freezing and you're like what am I yeah, doing here you would have loved because I'm not someone who cries very often I'm not really a crier like that yeah. and I was lying on this table and I think it was a combination of the drugs that or I blame it on the drugs at least and um like it was high emotion and we went through the COVID thing as well so mum couldn't come into the hospital with oh, me yeah. and anyway Garth's partner the other surgeon who was in the room came and introduced himself to me and before I could even get any words out I just started crying and I terrified the poor the poor guy <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's ever met someone who's instantly just started tearing up as soon as he started speaking so it was just it was a really emotional thing as well because I think I'd been waiting for it for such a long time yeah and it, how long was was it before you I mean did was your surgery delayed by the the lockdown as well no I was pretty lucky that um we were still in the process of trying to figure out dates and stuff when all of that first happened mm. so it wasn't really a problem because I had other things I had to go off and do so really it might have been pushed out by a couple of weeks yeah I'll say two weeks maybe it wasn't anything crazy but um yeah we'd been waiting because I'd First, I initially looked into this after my first lot of treatment, which was 2019. All oh, right. So it was over a good 12 months longer than that, really, 18 months before I could make anything really happen with it. Mm, that's a good thing. In fact, I was talking with Prof. Uh, Michael Talbot last week. We did a um, podcast and he was also saying that they actually almost like to stretch that time between making this decision and booking yeah. dates and actually having the surgery. So it does give that time to process the idea and yeah. to also do your research and get ready and, and prepare yourself mentally and physically in the best way you can. Exactly. Did, like, you, did you have to do the pre-op stage as well? Yeah, so I did three weeks of pre-op, yeah. which I was lucky because um, most of my weight gain was due to medication I didn't have a really fatty liver or anything like that that you know not the way that some other people do mm. um so I was lucky that you know and the other thing was I wasn't coming off eating huge amount of junk food or takeaways or fast foods or anything like that so it was a pretty smooth process for me to just go onto the shakes and actually yeah. it was just becoming a vegetarian for three weeks and drinking shakes it wasn't you know it wasn't yeah anything. not to change not too much change oh so it was good in that regard um but I also going into that as soon as he said to me pre-op starts tomorrow there was this mindset change where it was like okay this is it this is what I've 
I've been waiting for. This mm. is what I'm paying the money for. I'm not, I'm not screwing this up. Yeah. Commitment, full commitment, mm. which yeah. is what you need, isn't it? Yeah. And so we're five weeks on and you're, are you feeling quite well? Yeah, I feel good. I, um, I think my big thing or the only thing that I'm really noticing is that I'm tired, which isn't, I don't really think is, you know, surgery related. I think it's more to do with all the chemotherapy and, you know, all the other stuff that's happened in the last couple of years but um I feel really good I feel good about the decision and I feel like I'm glad that I've done it and physically I think I feel good because I also feel good about those things if that makes sense yeah of course and I think too you feel like you're moving forward in exactly. a lot of ways yeah. as well yeah do you have any regrets I mean certainly not about the surgery Mm. I um I mean I would do it I would definitely hands down I would do it again if I had to it you know it it truly is one of those things and it is a tool I mean I don't like to look at it like it's changing my life I'm changing my life I'm mm. just using that as a tool to help me get there but without it I think I certainly wouldn't be on that path or I wouldn't be as far along on that path. Mm. So I, um, I mean <laughs> I think the other thing about all the cancer treatment and that is you know. I've learned to be pretty confident in my choices and whether they're good choices or bad choices, we deal with them at the time and then we move on to the next thing. I try not to regret yeah, any good on you. And to trust yourself, you know, to make yeah. those big decisions and exactly. um, I guess work with them as you go along. It's, yeah, uh, definitely. It's certainly a skill set most 21-year-olds don't necessarily have on hand. So yeah, a positive is- thing. Yes. And so going into the next stage of this process, what's your thought patterns around that? Well, I mean, I think I'm trying to be as kind of as positive and, and that about, you know, everything as possible, but just being focused really on, you know, what's the next stage? What do I have to do? Where do I have to, you know, what do I have to eat? What do I, you know, all of those kinds of things and just stay really focused on, you know, on letting it happen as well, you know, but trying to, you know, meet other people as well who've gone through the process and, you know, who can give you little tips and tricks and stuff along the way who can say to you, well, you don't need to worry about that yet like just try to relax about that or just let the process happen it will get there just you know don't overthink it yeah exactly and I believe you have met someone who's been through this journey before in your neck of the woods yeah (laughs) our very own Shannon Taylor yeah I was um it was really interesting because I yeah my surgeon said to me you have to go and meet him and I was, yeah, I was very apprehensive about the whole process because he's really fit, like Mm. really Mm. uber fit. (laughs) And I am not. And I was a little bit nervous because I was like, oh God, like I'm going to go and meet this person. He's going to be like, do you want to come for like a 25K run and we'll go and get a coffee? And I was like, no. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I actually reached out to him, he was not like that at all, which is so typical of me to overthink things like that. But um, <laughs> he was, he is lovely and he's very, very, he's a really good support. If mm. Like if you have something that worries you or that, you know, you're concerned about something or whatever it is, even if you just want, you know, some advice on something, he's always, um, he's, yeah, he's always there to help and he's, very genuine in the way mm. he, um, you know, he listens to you and he hears what you're saying. And he's, he's yeah. yeah, I'm really totally glad. Positive. 
yeah exactly i'm glad yeah he's um he's one of our favorites too and i don't know if you've heard the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago it was great yeah i did it was really really i i think his mindset as well is really interesting because it's actually funny he said to me probably a week when I first met him, I think it was, he said to me that he feels like our mindsets are quite similar. And it's funny because I never really looked at it that way because I looked at him and went, no, you've just got that, you know, relentless, Mm. um, you know, kind of positive, I can do anything mindset. And I don't feel like I have that. And he looked at me and he said to me, you like, really? (laughs) I'm saying in my head, really? (laughs) Yeah, right. And um, I never thought about it like that. And when he put it like that and said to me, you have that relentless mindset too. Mm. Like that's what's got you through these last couple of years. It was really nice to actually hear that because I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah, you just do what's on your plate, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And don't necessarily, yeah, it's not offered (laughs) as a choice. It's like, well, you can have this and do this with it. Yeah, Um, exactly. But yeah, just from listening to, firstly, I hear your resilience and then secondly I hear the support behind you and I think the combination of the two is something that's really and I hear that in Shannon as well Um, yeah I think you know I hear quite a few about being multi-patient ring and Mm. they're lost and their family are not supportive and they're you know trying to do it on their own without a dietitian and their partner's not on board and I just think it would be so it could be such a lonely and kind of um, burdensome time when you're also everyone goes through the surgery kind of has that personal transformation as well as the physical so yeah yeah, yeah. just to have a safe place to put that with somebody who knows the process is yeah and that's kind of what we're trying to create in our group is that like-minded connection with positivity and you know a bit of fun along the way too I Um, think that's so important because I do I can really see how going through this you would feel lonely living mm. in I mean I've got you know a lot of support and I've been very lucky with that but I do notice that a little bit when you know like say we go to make dinner it's like well we'll do this and do you want to sort yourself out or what can I do for you that's going to be you know okay for you to have and all that sort of stuff just without being able to have someone to go okay well what how do I do this for you what do we need to do yeah that's right your own I think could be very difficult and I think you know food is ingrained in us as a time to come together yeah exactly to learn yeah very much so and to learn to do things differently and be okay with it and for everyone else to be okay is it's actually quite a huge thing to take on and so you're kind of documenting your story as well can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so coming out of hospital I decided that I really wanted to start kind of documenting the process of you know what life was going to be like for the next 12 months Mm. going and doing that thing that I hadn't done you know in hospital because I was allowed to or going and you know, going for this first swim or that I, you know, since hospital, like going and doing all those sorts of things. And I'd put all of it kind of together on um, a YouTube channel. And then with this, with this whaler surgery, it was just a good opportunity to kind of document that too and mm. put that out there for, you know, not only just for me, but for people who might be looking or wanting to do the process for themselves. Or... Yeah, exactly. And I think when you look back for you, when you look back on that, you'll get the glimpse of what Shannon and I are talking about as well (laughs) but 
we'll <laughs> add in the show notes um, if people want to follow your story that will give access to the YouTube and to your social handle, etc. Yeah. And that way, yeah, it's um, it's just been great to reflect upon the different reasons that people end up in this situation and some people certainly you know whether it's an accident or medication or something else that gets in the way of our you know straight and linear road to success exactly i um i think also kind of removing that stigma too about you know you know it being a you know a cop out or a you know the easy way to do it is um is really important because for anyone who you know is overweight and they do want to do this it's one of those things where you shouldn't feel any guilt or shame because you can't do it yourself it's not doing it for you it's a tool for you to change correct so i think that's really important as well because i know a lot of people even shannon has said to me that he um he's had a lot of people who have criticized his choice because you know it's easy or whatever it's certainly not easy yeah well i mean i will say you know as you're going through the whole process of eating you know puree and then soft food and then this and then that and yeah totally changing your mindset towards things which is not easy at all yeah that's true and i hear pureed fish is top of the list is that right pureed fish is not a winner i do not recommend that to anyone (laughs) living and learning Living exactly. <laughs> exactly. Also, don't add lime or lemon or or any kind of herb to it. It makes it so much worse. Oh goodness! You could start a recipe channel of what not to do. What not to do? Exactly. <laughs> I could actually from some of the experiences we've had. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> do you have anything else you'd like to add as your parting gift to us? I mean, I, no, I don't think so. I um, I think I love the fact that um, I do really love the. Fact that you do these podcasts and I think they're really important especially for people who you know are wanting to make that decision for themselves or wanting to go and have the surgery done mm. I think it does really empower people to feel confident in their choices and I think that's really really important yeah I'm a believer in education and my son will tell you all about that poor kid but um <laughs> I'm like, hey, let's do this. It'd be educational. He's like, can we have some fun? Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I think it's a really, and it's, I learn something every time I do a podcast. So it's great for me as well. But our aim is to have a collection or an encyclopedia of everything you'd need to kind of um, help you to feel comfortable along your journey and to, to be as, you know, armed with as much positive and you know evidence-based knowledge that you can find so I'm loving talking with all these specialists and also the stories that we hear you know and to to take away that stigma of isn't this the easy way out because um for you know for anyone who's had your situation but not only that if you've had different relationship with food for your whole life and then you have to just turn that completely upside down it's certainly not an easy ask so yeah thank you I'm glad and yeah the feedback's been great so I'm it's exciting and it's helpful for me to know that it's useful (laughs) definitely useful I think it's really really good yeah thank you and so thanks so much again and we'll add in the links to your um story so that we can follow as you go along and um you're also part of our BN bariatric group which is fantastic yeah awesome well thanks Izzy thanks so much for your time I really appreciate it no worries thanks take care of yourself thanks bye 
Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.